God is good and all the time. Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers out there. Appreciate Shelly uh, praying over all our mothers today. And uh, as you can see, my mom is here today. Can we give my mom a hand today? Very good. She obviously is an amazing lady. I mean, look what she produced. That wasn't supposed to be funny, I didn't think. But anyways, I'm glad that you chose to worship with us today. If you're new today, uh, we have a great opportunity. I'm going to just take a moment, a few moments, to interview my mom and just learn from her. And I want to share a few pictures of the early years in our household. Some of you don't know our story. And so uh, I asked my mom in the first service, how in the heck do you get your hair to do that? <laughs> do you want to answer it again? or? It was really long. But I had something called a wiglet. I learned in first service there's a thing called a wiglet. Who had no idea about a wiglet? Raise your hand. All right. Well, we're just informing people today. We're glad that we could encourage you today. But this is um, me and my twin brother and my older sister. And uh, so when we were born, Michael and I were born, my sister was 22 months old. So uh, there was a lot of diaperage going on in our household. And the next picture is a few years later. And so when uh, my brother and I were 12, my sister was just almost 14. We, uh, my parents adopted our younger sister, Amy. And so there was three of us for many years, and then there were the four of us. And so I just kind of want to let my mom uh, educate us today and encourage us today. And as you look at this picture, um, Although it, it was taken during some of the awkward years, you know, of middle school and stuff. Uh, what, I, what, I don't, what we don't want to present today is that our family was perfect. Because we weren't. Because my brother was in our family. So we, were, we weren't perfect. Um, but uh, I, I think we have a tendency in church, and just in, in nat- it's just natural for us to compare our families to like the picture of the perfect family. And we, we weren't perfect and we still aren't perfect. I mean, some of us are getting close, but it's not, not me, my, my wife. And uh, good, good say, John. Uh, but my mom, she also grew up in a family with four children. Uh, she had a brother who was six years older than her. And she had twin sisters who were eight years older than her. And uh, so her and uh, my mom and my dad met at Baptist Bible College, and they both graduated in 1970, and immediately upon graduation went right in into ministry. And, you know, I think, one, as Shelley kind of already alluded to, one of the most difficult responsibilities in the world is to be a mom. And I'm thankful I had a great mom, and she had a great task, but she was a great mom, and I think not only is um, one of the greatest responsibilities being a mom, but I think one of the greatest responsibilities, one of the most difficult responsibilities is to be a mom and to be a pastor's wife. And I'm thankful that my mom did such an amazing job at that. I'm thankful uh, that my wife also does an amazing job at being a great mom and a great pastor's wife. And those are, I think, two of the most difficult things that any woman uh, can do. Um, so today, we just kind of want to encourage you. Uh, again, the, the goal is not to, to say how awesome 
well, you're awesome, but how awesome, you know, we are that we don't make any mistakes, but maybe some lessons that God taught us through this. Um, and again, as I said, there were, were four of us, and I'm curious, the people want to know, uh, which, of, which of the four kids kept you up most at night? All four of you. <laughs> I knew and that was for, coming. Di- for different reasons, and you still keep me up at night. So. I did hear the other day that, or I said the other day that I think um, parenting adults is harder than parenting kids. It is. And it never stops, does it? Well, what about when we were kids? Who, you know, you could say, you could tell people I was the best. Whatever you want to say is fine. <laughs> that you were the best? Yeah. <laughs> so, here's the question. You want me to lie? Um, <laughs> let's go to the next question, please. <laughs> the, uh, my brother always calls me the evil twin. How many of you have heard my brother call me the evil twin? Okay. How many of you believe that he is accurate in that depiction? So appreciate your, appreciate your confidence. Uh, so the, the question, you can settle for the world to know, who is actually the evil twin, me or my evil twin, Michael? That's a trick question, Pastor. <laughs> I, that's like asking a mother which child she loves the most. And I, for, to that, I would answer the child that needs your love the most at that moment. So just say you needed my love a lot. Okay. <laughs> hey, you, you guys can laugh at that, but what I hear is she loved me the most. <laughs> Isn't that what she just said? We'll move, we'll move on. Wow, she should be a politician. You answered that great. So um, as I said, you, you guys saw the picture when we were little, when we were born, there was three kids, you know, under the age of two with a lot of cloth diapers. Uh, God help us all. I don't, I, I, this is a sidebar. I don't know why anyone would decide that's a good idea to bring back, but that's another thing. Um, I can't imagine what I call like being a mom. There's a lot of um, mundane moments, cleaning and clean up after and laundry and all those things and and when you had the three of us little ones how did you how did you keep your sanity during those days <laughs> it wasn't easy you kind of do what you have to do when you're they're small because they need you so desperately but um but you haven't lived until you're pregnant with twins and you're throwing up in the toilet but you have to rinse out a dirty diaper at the same time. So you haven't lived until you've done that. Well, I don't want to live then, I can tell you that. (laughs) We had no family to help us, so uh, I had a good husband who helped me. He got up most of the time at night with you, and then he would go to work in the morning, and now I take care of you in the day, so. Yeah, and it was a different, even church culture then. Uh, Michael and I were, were born at like five in the morning from what I remember. And, uh, we were, <laughs> some of you caught that. Uh, so, so quickly after we were born, my dad was expected to be at church to drive the bus for vacation Bible school. And, and so I know that, uh, it was a struggle for everyone. Uh, but how did like in those moments, even thinking a few years down the road when now you have three teenagers, 
that were, you know, angels and everything. Three teenagers, and then you have another toddler. How do you, in those, like, again, mundane mother moments, how did you keep, or were you able to keep perspective on, like, what's, what's important here? There was a lot of dirty laundry, <clears throat> a lot of dirty sports socks, and uh, although I asked you all to turn the socks, no one ever did, so I would stand in the laundry room and turn stinky, dirty socks, and and just gripe at myself, going, why can't they turn these socks? And, and I think those were Michael's. I'm pretty sure <laughs> that I turned mine. There were no names on them, not even Nike. So um, I would turn socks, and one day I had the thought that you do this for your husband, but you don't complain because he's a minister. I do it as part of my ministry for him uh, so that he can be better a minister. I thought, well, maybe they'll grow up to be pastors. And then I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of like Sarah. I was like, that ain't going to happen. Uh, but Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> they had no interest, did you? No. No interest in uh, being in the ministry. But pray over your children. Pray that they'll go into the ministry. Now uh, Micah has to turn his own socks and do its own laundry. I learned something. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. The, uh, the saying is uh, the days are long, uh, but the years are short. And how do you learn um, in, in the busyness of life to really enjoy? I, I think it's difficult and maybe impossible. How do you learn to enjoy the moment or the, the season that you're currently in? How do you keep that perspective? It is hard uh, because it's mundane and because you're trying to get the children to do things and school and just have it scheduled. I say when they're little, they step on your toes. But when they grow up, they step on, I mean, yeah, when they're little, they step on your toes. When they grow up, they step on your heart. Mm -hmm. So um, it was a struggle. You just have to stop in the moment and go, this is great, kind of like we do with our grandchildren. We, we slow down, we stop whatever we're doing, and we spend time with them. But we don't do that. I didn't do that with my own children enough. Right. Well, I think that, I love this quote. It says, children are not a distraction from the more important work. They are the more yes. important work. And I think that we have a limited amount of time as parents uh, before our kids leave. And, and again, I think of that statement, the days do seem long, but now, I'm, now that I'm on the other end of that, I was like, the, the years go by really, really fast, don't they? And so that enjoying the season you're in. And I think, um, I think it's only getting worse in our culture that the expectations of what a mom is supposed to be and what they're supposed to do. And um, I think that's always been an expectation. Um, but I also think, you know, being a pastor's wife, there sometimes becomes a greater expectation on the whole family. Uh, as the wife, as the kids, and I even remember um, Joy coming home one day, this back when Blake was like first or second grade, and she was uh, a little bit steamy, and she had s said that one of, somebody at the church had come up to her and said, uh, obviously Blake had, had misbehaved in, in Sunday school or something, is shocking, uh, but that he, the, one of the ladies said to, to Joy, she said, don't you teach and tell Blake that 
he has to be the best one in the class because his dad's a pastor and his granddad, granddad is the pastor of the church. And Joyce simply answered, no, we don't. We tell him he should be the best in class because he loves Jesus. And so I think, you know, managing those expectations, was that difficult for you? What did that look like for, for you raising four children and really in ministry? It was difficult at times because you were so loved. <laughs> but, yeah. um, <laughs> this keeps going back to that. It's just like, mm, yeah. But um, I think like Joyce said, Joyce said the right thing. It's because they belong to Jesus, not, not through their father or grandfather. It's, they need to be good. And just to tell our children that. But I never really knew that was happening until later in the lives of my children because they didn't tell me. But it seemed that it was, they said it was more prevalent when they were teenagers because teenagers called them goody-goody if they wouldn't participate in the bad things. And uh, so at least two of you proved that they weren't goody-goodies. But, um, <laughs> but it's difficult. And, it, and I would say to our congregation, the staff children, be kind to them, be loving. They're just like your children. They're going to mess up. They're going to make mistakes. And it's not because of who their parents are. It's because of the evil one. And they're going to make mistakes, but they're children. Give them some room and don't be judgmental on them. Don't expect them to be any better than your own children. And love them. Yeah. Um. As, we, as we've already mentioned, there's no uh, perfect parent. Um, and when you think about um, what James says, we all struggle in many ways. We all fail in many ways. We're all sinners. And then, you know, two people get married, and so now there's two sinners, and then you have kids, and there's little sinners. Um, and so there's no perfect family. Um, but when you look back, and, and maybe for parents who are in the middle of parenting right now, is there anything that you would uh, do differently? I would do a lot of things differently. I know I made mistakes, um, but I loved my children. The mistakes were done in love. Didn't always uh, parent correctly. Um, but we have to be willing to ask our children to forgive us and admit that we've done wrong things. But there is no perfect parent. Right. And if they say they're perfect, they're lying. Right. So, and if I said I was perfect, you would know I was lying. So, I was a perfect parent until I had kids. Yes, Honestly. we all are. <laughs> for sure. Um, our, the theme verse at Hallmark for our kids' ministry is Proverbs 22, 6. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, it doesn't really define what old is. He will not depart from it. And I think that um, we have, um, we as the church, have misunderstood that verse to say and to claim it as a promise. And that if I would do this, this, and this, uh, then my kid will always choose this. There's always going to be the desired outcome if I'll just follow the rules. But Proverbs is not a book of promises, but a book of principles. And so what, what it's saying is, you know, the goal is for them to follow Christ, but that's not always, it's not a guarantee. Um, and so I think because of, if we have the wrong view of that, then, then the blame, it's easy to blame ourselves as a parent when our kids 
aren't following Jesus. Well, I did this, this, and this. I must have messed up. Um, so what, what would you tell parents who maybe have uh, young kids, teenagers, or maybe even adults who are still far from God? What would you, you know, based on that verse, what would you speak into them? Pray. Just fall on Jesus. You, you have to have God. You have to depend on him constantly. And during the heartbreak, because it is heartbreaking. And um, I carried guilt and shame far too long. And it almost took me down. You're not responsible for your uh, children's uh, decisions as they grow up. They are one and only one that is responsible for those decisions. And they'll reap the consequences of those right. decisions if they're bad ones. Mm -hmm. So don't blame yourself. But keep loving him. Keep praying for him. But don't keep saying it's my fault. I, I need to do this. I need to do that. What I think, when you think about there's been one perfect father, God the Father. Yes. And he created Adam and Eve in perfect unity. And what'd they do? They messed up. Was that God's fault they messed up? No. They had a choice. They made their own choice. And so I think for all of us as parents, I think that's an important to know that. Um, and, and again, for me, I used to be, you, knew, you said it as well, before I had kids, I, was, I knew how to raise them and I could tell everyone what to do. Um, and then realized, oh, maybe it's not my fault, <laughs> you know. Um, so I thank you for sharing that. I, what, what are maybe some of the favorite scriptures over the years or even currently that have encouraged you or, or strengthened you? Um, well, uh, Psalms 27, 13, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That scripture encourages me all the time. God is always good. When you and Melissa, uh, uh, Melissa and Michael were small, uh, actually, when you were teenagers, I memorized 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, because I wasn't always acting in love. They seemed like they were never acting in love. <laughs> so I had to keep memorizing that scripture, saying it over in my head when I would get upset at them and remember that there was a way to respond in love and not to always enter into their anger right. or whatever it is. Um, but also Psalm 73, 25, whom have I in heaven but you? And there's none upon earth that I desire besides you. you. You are my flesh. When my heart and my flesh fail, God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Be joyful, be thankful, be prayerful. That's good, I think. Um, I think scripture is so important. Um, did you, did you guys, I know the answer to this, but I'm just asking, did you guys teach your kids scripture or have them memorize scripture? Do you think yes. that was important or valuable? Yes, we did. Um, in fact, I got to spend a couple of days with Melissa recently, our oldest daughter, and uh, that was an amazing time. But she told me that the scriptures come back to her often that she learned through childhood and that they keep her. It's the living word, and it will live if you will just teach it 
your children. And I had found that in moments of temptation for them, when you can't be there, the Holy Spirit will speak those words to them. So teach them scripture. That's good. I, I was thinking of Isaiah 55, 11 says that. He says that, uh, he said, it's a living word. And, and the old King James was that the, the Bible will not return void. That one of the most important things you as parents can do is teach your kids the Word of God because it is living, it is active, and it's through the Word of God empowered by the Holy Spirit of God who will convict our kids or bring to light, this is not a good decision. And, I, and, and I'm thankful for um, Allison and, and Hallmark Kids Ministry because they place a real valuable importance on training our kids Scripture. And let me encourage you as parents to memorize with them, and especially when they're young. Uh, it's very easy to motivate uh, our children to memorize Scripture. Um, and what Isaiah was saying is like God's Word will always produce what it is set out to accomplish. Yeah. That we, we, all, we won't always, our plans don't always come to uh, fruition, do they? But the Word of God always fulfills its intended purpose. It will not return Void and one of my favorite passages in the Bible is, is it's actually in Exodus uh, chapter one and it's the story of Moses and a lot of us are familiar with the story of Moses uh, but I bet a lot of people in the room don't know the name of Moses's mother some of you may know but Moses mother's name was anybody know Jochebed kind of a weird name actually but Jochebed when I think of the story of Jochebed, uh, I, I think of the idea that we have to surrender our kids to the Lord. Uh, if you know the story, Moses was a baby. He was born in Egypt. Uh, the Pharaoh was like, we got to get rid of all of these Israelite boys because they're going to overthrow us. And so they were killing all of the, the baby boys. And here Jochebed has a little boy and she's the Bible talks about that now he's getting a little older and he's crying a lot, making a lot of noise, and she couldn't hide him any longer. She had to come to the point, I, I think this is really hard, it's impossible for me to put myself in emotionally what that was like, but she came to the, the realization that she could not protect Moses anymore, and she had to give Moses to the Lord, and you know, she makes this little basket, puts him in the water, and as the story goes, Moses' sister is hiding, and Pharaoh finds Moses, and I need someone to take care of this baby. Miriam says, oh, I know someone that can do that. And, and God gave Moses back to Jochebed and then paid her to be the mom. But about three years of age or four years of age, she's got to now make the same decision. I can't protect anymore. I've got I've to re-surrender my child to the Lord. And I think that's a picture of parenting is like almost sometimes daily surrendering our kids back to the Lord. And maybe you could speak to that. Or have you experienced that in your, in your life? Well, we dedicated all our children to God when they were small babies. We made sure we um, promised God we were going to raise them the way they were supposed to be. Um, when our youngest, Amy, that we adopted was very small, she got really sick. And um, dad and you and other kids were going to Wichita for a basketball tournament. So I was alone and she got very sick and I had to take her to the hospital. And I was just scared to death. 
probably like Jochebed because she was going to lose her child. And um, so it was there that I realized that, yes, God gave me this baby, but I haven't given her back to God. And I needed to turn her over to God completely. And, and then I found peace that God was going to take care of her. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That verse talks to me all the time about being anxious for any reason, but especially with my children. And also I read recently, the peace that comes from trusting God is better than control because it doesn't depend on you, others, or change in circumstances. Eternal peace comes from above. Peace is better than control. That's good, and I think, uh, did you hear that statement? <laughs> peace is better than control, and I don't, I don't think you can have both. Because um, peace comes from God, and if we're trying to take the control from Him, then, then we're replacing Him control becomes our God. And so I think as, uh, well, that, that speaks volumes in all areas of our life, doesn't it? That we can't have control and peace. So let's surrender our will to his will and allow him to give us uh, peace. Um, just kind of maybe one last question. What, what advice or encouragement would you give uh, all the young mothers in the room or listening today? Uh, pray. Pray constantly for your children, for your husband, for your family, for anybody that influences your children. Pray for them and uh, make sure they have good friends around them. But pray for them. Uh, David Tripp said, nothing is more important in your life than being one of God's tools to form a human soul. And then Chuck Swindoll said, do not prepare the path for your children. Prepare your children the path. Mm, that's good. Yeah, we, we, we can't prepare them for everything that's going to take place. Uh, we can't clear it. We have to prepare them. And I think uh, clearly what she's saying to me is like, pray, pray, <laughs> pray, <laughs> and, and get the scriptures into your, your kids' lives. That's the two things that are going to change them. It's, it's through the power of God and His Spirit that, that allows us as parents to do what God's called us to do. Um, and I love the quote by Andy Stanley. He says, uh, your, your, greatest your greatest achievement to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. And, and what a perspective for moms and dads is to say, um, God, this is your child. I give them back to you. And not my will be done, but your will be done. And use them for your glory, for your purposes. And who knows, maybe uh, those kids who forget to turn their socks will be preachers one day. Who knows? Um, crazy things have happened, right? And so, anyways, I just want to say thank you to my mom. Would you give her a hand? And uh, I have... My mom, my mom didn't raise a dummy. I have flowers for her for Mother's Day, and I just want to say thank you, and I love you, and thank you for sharing your story today. Thank you.